Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. I've been in a bit of a uh, linguistic anomaly. Oh? So I want you to listen very carefully to the words that I just say, because I feel like I I said them. Right. They came, these words came out of my mouth and just through the, I I assume just the the, uh, random projection of particles, the sound must have recompressed and been reinterpreted because i said i would like to keep my hair long please Mm -hmm. and for some reason my barber heard i would like you to cut off most of my hair please and also fuck your entire family oh no because that if you if you play the tape back that that is what i said please cut my hair keep leave my hair right uh but yep um she sheared me oh my god your locks, yeah. like Samson. Yeah, exactly. Topical. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we... Uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. It, sh- it was one of those things, too, where uh, she was facing me away from the mirror the entire time. Oh, no, time. they knew. They knew. She... I have a theory. Mm-hmm. You said that. They registered mm-hmm. it. But they cut too much off in the beginning. On the one first cut, it was like five inches gone. And they were like, "Ooh, I guess we have to commit to this now. Yeah, they won't like, even notice." You know, you know the, you know the other thing. You know the other thing mm-hmm. is like, she knew she fucked up. Uh, she uh, did. She because yeah. she was like, so it went a little short. Um, yeah. But the other thing uh. was, you know, she had done this whole setup to like um, film it because I think she thought this was going to be like this one's going to be for the gram you know right she she saw me walking in looking like a yak and she was like oh yeah this is this is what i live for you know right shaggy shaggy guy comes in here i'm gonna fix him up i'm gonna shape it up and Mm -hmm. uh she was like making this whole big deal about she's like oh yeah no uh this is great thank you i'll uh put it on my uh instagram and everything if that's okay with you um, and then I left and realized she never asked for my Instagram handle. She is not oh, posting that. Oh, no. <laughs> She's just like, she maybe knows. not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not that it's a bad haircut. It's just it's not the one I wanted. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've i been there with the long hair, man. I think if anybody would have cut it the way I didn't, I would be very upset, too. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. so sorry. Uh, um, yeah. What are you going to do? It grows back. Yeah, it does grow back. Had you considered doing something like fun though when you had your long hair? Like if you were gonna cut it mm. short, like a mullet or like an undercut, like anything like that? I don't know if I can pull off the mullet thing. I was kind mm. of considering I wanted almost to walk in with like a picture of Father John Misty. Okay. Yeah. And I can like see that's that. kind of a mullet I can deal with. I just I don't think I 
I don't think I have the face for it. Long gotcha. hair is tough when you're like I, with me, I have, you know, not great facial hair. Hmm. And I, so I think it just doesn't frame my face right. I don't wear glasses. I don't have a beard. There's nothing to like additionally frame my face. So I feel like mm. my jaw is just hanging out from <laughs> underneath everything. Okay. So it's um I don't know if the mullet would have would have totally worked for me. I think I yeah. like having it tidier in the back. I like having, mm. you know, I I like having some length. I don't mind having length around the sides and the back, but it's got to right. be it's got to be just kind of natural looking, kind of a kind okay. of a na- natural flow. I don't I don't know about the the Kentucky waterfall. Yeah, I yeah I can see I see what you mean. That definitely I know suits it, I know you. it's in style, kind of yeah. sort of with people that are into like eighties normcore. Well, okay. Here's the weird thing about mullets, though, because I mean, like, I kind of want one, but I don't think I'll ever do it because I also don't think I have the like facial structure for that. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I understand that it's like it's definitely an alternative hairstyle. It's also a y'all alternative hairstyle, which is fun. Yes. But yes. like you know, having been back on a college campus but now teaching and having to drive through that and passing mm-hmm. by frat houses, I'm starting to realize that like the amount of jocks that have mullets is kind mm. of ridiculous. And oh, so it's not it, even like countercultural anymore. Well, that yeah, no, like not at all. Because then it's like, wait a minute. So I see, like you know, the art students come in with like alternative hairstyles mm-hmm. and mullets, and you're like, that makes sense. And then I'm driving mm-hmm. past the street where there's like a party going on, and two dudes are throwing a football in the street, as one does. I didn't know people did that, you know, right. unironically. I always thought that was like an NPC activity. <laughs> so sorry. But jokes but, are kind of NPCs. In their own I mean, it's fair. But like, I'm driving past, they had to like side to pull over, and like the one guy just has like a really long mullet going on. Mm. And I immediately felt like I was thrown back into like all the 80s movies I've seen, except they're younger than me. In this case, mm. oh, so it, weird, right? Oh, like it's the, weird. It's a very older, we're the older kids now. Yeah, it's weird. It was like a very odd feeling of like, wait a minute, this doesn't, something's odd here. Yeah, it's, it's weird because like I think I'm, I'm in a very crucial age group, you know, where I am now in my late twenties, mm. and I still like, and I am, I think, quite clearly an art student. When I walk around uh, with my Fall Raven backpack, but do it. when I uh, when I don't have that and I don't have my long hair, I'm slightly worried that rather than looking like a funky little uh, alternative <laughs> cowboy guy, I right. look like uh, someone that is you know going to attend a Christian wedding because I like button ups, <laughs> uh, blue jeans, and boots. Oh yeah, that might do it. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think you wear, you wear your clothes alternative enough that it's not going to sell that idea. Um, if you had an "I Love Jesus" pin though, or if you were slightly more modest, that'll definitely sell it though. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So. Uh yes. Everyone, everyone knows me. Uh, so unmodest. I I leave <laughs> one button. I I don't button the collar button on no. my shirt all the time. But I mean, that's that's fascinating with kind of <laughs> knowing that. <laughs> jocks have mullets again yeah nature's healing here's the the thing watch old 
movies from the 80s where everybody has mullets. But if you watch very closely, you can tell that the protagonist has specifically, like, the good guy mullet, yeah. and the bad guy has the, <laughs> the evil bad, mullet. The, 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 it is literally the chaotic neutral mullet versus the well-tapered, you know, long yes. hair but short in the yes. front mullet. exactly, That is, yeah. this is very true. There, now there we can't some, tell. There was some Chevy Chase movie that I was watching with the sound off. I forget why. Um, you know, it was playing in the background. And because the sound wasn't on, I could just see... Oh, he's the protagonist because his mullet mm. is the relatable mullet. Yeah, they put hairspray in there, so that makes sense. Why? It yeah, yeah, but but case. then the bad schmarmy business guy right. comes in and wants to ruin all the fun. He's got he's got his American psycho mullet. Uh, right, right, that'll do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's yeah, a very yupp- yuppie mullet. Lifestyle. Yuppie mullet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It also makes you wonder, now that we're talking about mullets, and this is what we're talking about for a few minutes, I wonder mm-hmm. if, like, our ancient ancestors at some point had a mullet. Because if we're being honest, it is, like, the easiest hairstyle to cut yourself if you have long hair, right? All it requires right. is to give yourself bangs. So Yeah, I... So I have this theory that's maybe a little cynical, but... I I do I do wonder about it sometimes where you go through a period of time where it seems like it's cool to have long hair guys and girls mm-hmm. and then you see that uh that population age a little bit mm-hmm. and then it sort of starts becoming apparent that they need to do mullets because <laughs> either they can't maintain that hair as they get older or uh you know the um the 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 front of the forest is starting to look a little uh little thin yeah. um so it's kind it's kind of my personal pet theory that like <laughs> mullets get big in the 80s because the the hippies from the 60s and 70s were getting older yeah that makes sense i can see that happening for sure yeah and then i think you know as kind of millennials and gen z get older like the the long hipster hair is kind of the man bun era you know yeah yeah. kind of gave way to uh kind of mullet stevie nicks mullet revival yeah um for sure but you know always trying to stay also just you know trying to stay ahead of mass homogeny trying to find some counterculture to uh to 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 provide a counterpoint against mass culture right and you know in, in the case of jocks versus you know sensitive art students we're looking for ways to differentiate ourselves. Yep. Now we gotta and, find a new style. Yeah, and and maybe those those things have always existed throughout time, and also maybe uh, nerds were not always the misunderstood sensitive mm. people that they right right that they always meant to. Because now we live in a world where. We have some really fucking evil nerds. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> running things. We don't. It's um, because I, I I recently watched the dropout, and mm. you see what happens when someone takes the whole idea of feeling like the world is working against you, and then watched right. all of the media that we have. That means no matter what, the underdog is always right. 
Yeah. And then that seeing how well that fits into that weird Silicon Valley mentality. Yeah. Of all of these shallow shells of human beings that wind up in very powerful positions. Yeah. Yeah, it's very terrifying, honestly. That's what yeah. I'm like. Maybe the jocks had a point. Maybe the jocks in, in Revenge of the Nerds actually did have a point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doesn't, which is also a creepy movie, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. Um, it's uh, like like all '80s movies. You know, plenty of sexual assault that goes unremarked upon. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, speaking <laughs> of ancient times, like the right. 1980s, <laughs> are you seeing any other references to the dawn of humanity? I mean, okay, one thing that keeps coming up, and I don't know if you're seeing this either, or anybody here on our tour is seeing this as well. Trust me, this all does actually tie in. What's up with the raw meat diets? I don't Mm. understand. Because my thing is, I keep, you know, I get the liver king or the lean king or whatever the heck these other people that are knockoff (laughs) versions of him on here that are like, I eat meat, you know, all the time, every day, organs, brains, eggs. And here's my gripe with it at the end of it, because, okay, sure, maybe we as humans ate raw meat at some point when we didn't understand how to cook things yet. We definitely weren't eating chicken eggs though, because we didn't have chickens. (laughs) So you can't say I'm eating everything like my ancestors, but have eggs in your meal because by definition, your ancient primal ancestors would not have had eggs yet because they would have had fire first. So I need help. I don't understand, but I feel like if I were to put that there, I would be called a nerd for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause that's, I feel like it is that like bodybuilder, you know, I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to get as much muscle as possible. Mm. Like lifestyle that goes into yeah. the whole meat only diet. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know, man, I guess. You just, the- sorry, Joe, you're just talking like such a lib beta cuck, oat <laughs> milk, oat milk, uh, whole grain bread. <laughs> I've lost the thread. Um, oh, a rhyme right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're maybe being a little judgmental, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I... Yeah, I, that stuff has been coming across my for you page for some reason as well. Uh, the the guy with the the, sh- the the plethora of shirtless men who will willingly eat raw calf brain then drink a raw egg out of a shot glass it's a subculture that i was unaware of it kind of seems like it falls into it 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 seems like it's adjacent to people that are really into crossfit maybe honestly yeah yeah paleo paleo diet people um people that want to eat every make everything into a bowl yes oh my god yes i mean i have nothing i like a good breakfast bowl i will they say are that. good they are good but i mean sometimes if that's everything you're eating it's too much was that just the first uh piece of um uh plate that we came up with did we come up with the bowl mm. first is that is that the reference is that why everything paleo oh. is a bowl it was like the second thing humans <laughs> ever invented <laughs> <laughs> of it that way maybe it's the perfect shape you can't go beyond it just like if you follow the you know uh this raw meat diet you have to eat all meat and that's it It has to be always protein and nothing else because men would rather eat raw brain than cook for some weird reason and Mm -hmm. i will never understand that um i i just i think it's his poor his poor plumber absolutely no fiber in that diet (laughs) 
Oh, like, I remember, like, watching a video about that, too, and the guy's like, I oh, yeah, absolutely fine, you know, going about it. I have, I, I don't want to get into details because it was just weirdly specific, but it's like, bro, why, why, why are you doing this? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. There's no nuance, literally no nuance to this diet or anything about mm. it, but I, I think it begs the question again in terms of, like, one, how did we get here, but also why, like, in tying it into what we want to talk about, why we why these myths about mm-hmm. how diets start become mm-hmm. back in come back into play, if that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's this believed thought that this is how humans eat and this is the only way we eat, and therefore we're gonna eat this way, and this is the way mm-hmm. we should all be eating, even though it is incredibly expensive, not practical at all, and kinda wasteful when you think about it. But you know, yeah. whatever. So well, we're we're people of moderation, I think, somewhat. Um, and carbs, to be fair. Yes, yes. <laughs> like we, a good carb. We do not we do not live a life that would be okay to anyone with celiac disease. Uh <laughs> no, um, laugh at that. That's not funny. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm the, the the people out there understand. They, they understand. I'm sure they do not appreciate the fact that their their diet that tries to uh you know uh that that tries to help them navigate a world with food that will cause them pain has been co-opted by people <laughs> that want trendy diets. Right. Uh I'm sure they understand. Yeah, for now, sure. Now it's it's always this idea of trying to return to some kind of past that was to to have some sort of foothold in something idyllic and that's something that you see across a lot of different ideas and even kind of different political spectrums there is um trying to find some historical precedent that uh, that justifies what you are doing because our ancestors did it and they were fine and successful because they ate this certain way. I mean, that's the premise behind pretty much every fad diet is this thing that we eat in excess because of the uh, excess of modernity right. and the Industrial Revolution has made it so that we shouldn't be eating as much fat as we're supposed to be eating. Mm. So then you start really half a century of convincing people that all fat is bad. And and now we are in a world where we're trying to correct that and then you but then you have people doing keto that are like actually fruit yeah. is absolutely terrible for you anything with sugar any traceable amount of sugar or carbohydrate is awful for you and you do, you need to be eating an entire diet of steak butter and avocados makes perfect sense absolutely yes jesus rather than you know our ancestors that more than likely were just eating whatever they could find to survive no, 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 Sam. They they were doing keto back then too, obviously. Because this guy <laughs> on doing, Instagram they told were doing me paleo so. back then. Yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah, because remember they that. had the bowl. They had the bowl. To exactly. Do it. Exactly. exactly. They had the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, breakfast bowls again. Yeah. Well, this is what we're eating because we invented it. <laughs> oh, sorry, I use. forgot. I forgot it was Paleolithic times. All we have is paleo. <laughs> 
we haven't invented bread yet or we don't have plates we don't have silverware (laughs) we can't have fancy dinner without silverware obviously oh god um yeah the uh, clearly the the plate was where we went wrong flatware is really what what doomed humanity we should have stuck with the bowl yeah we could have had the bread bowls earlier on rather than panera starting that so we would have been set to go (laughs) everything's a bowl now yes yes um what 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 this all just kind of does like we've been saying is people are trying to address a concern by just really digging their heels into some idea of some idealized past and right people do this with nationalism but people also do it with trendy workouts and diet things because also apparently uh cave people had six packs and no body fat nope not at all totally <laughs> shredded ma'am just everybody was so jacked everybody, back then everybody was just gym buddies everybody is yeah every day is leg day when you know you, you have to walk have cars or horses <laughs> right yeah and you're walking everywhere you got to do you know they're stopping to do some push-ups after they have a full calf leg you know Jesus, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, humanity walking out of Africa, just killer quads. Oh, yeah. It had to be. It had to be fit. Yeah, yeah. You have to, have to, have to walk across the earth. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made there for sure. Maybe more lean than huge, but. Eh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, there's an idea of what people looked like. But like everything, there's some if not ideal, some kind of mythic or heroic past that, again, in in modern society, in Western society, we are aware that we have some disconnection to... Right. It's the, again, the homogeny of everything. And with, with sort of... With, with With spirituality no longer being in the place that it was except you know in in certain specific cases it's um it's there there still is that that illusion of something that we are trying to return to Mm. and it, it brings into question i think everybody's idea of what the origins of everything in the world was right yeah so what we wanted to do today is talk about the the beginning of the world we want to look at creation myths how does this stack up against our more scientific understanding of how the world was formed but more than that you more than just making it the type of thing where we can look back at the past with our modern knowledge and just kind of make make snide comments about how they didn't know (laughs) how the big bang happened rather we can look at these myths and look at the cultural purposes that they were fulfilling why did people want to see that the world came about in a certain way because i think that's Mm. the more interesting conversation and we can also talk about the point at which people started to want to take these stories literally yes 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's very important to look at it that way as well because it also offers more insight. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the more interesting conversation rather than being like, oh, I can't believe people actually look at it this way. And it's like, well, <laughs> probably did yeah. it in every situation, right? I mean, again, we want to give yeah. our ancient, you know, human ancestors credit in this case mm-hmm. to many things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some of those concepts were not great in terms of where they end up going towards and this is more about what you're saying where people start to take these things a little too literally mm, um mm. oh what someone someone took genesis a little too literally yeah to the point where they can be, i mean just like in, in the movie black easter which was totally historically accurate if you change yes, as, time as the bible changes because it's it's H- totally time. historically accurate but there was a tomato in ancient jerusalem mm, that'd be absolutely so they can make ancient pizza Ah, yes, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um yeah, uh one thing that was kind of uh that I wanted to bring us back to this is one of my favorite memories and might even be even though I was into dinosaurs and prehistory before this, this was a very pivotal moment for me in elementary school. So I've actually kind of modeled our exhibit today, at least the first room, to begin like this. Now, my teacher sat us all down in a circle. We sat on the floor because, you know, I I went to Montessori. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We all, you know, just just imagine a bunch of kids with bowl cuts and uh, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh uh overalls excellent little farm mm-hmm, children mm-hmm. yeah 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 just <laughs> you know there were chickens running around outside and it was uh <laughs> it's the, the the childhood conservative sphere just right a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of children in non-gendered clothing right you know, not... <laughs> but being taught about the big bang mm. now my t- my teacher, Mrs. Bloom, uh, which actually, now that I think that about it, like, really well. It, that that was a that's a that would be a really good name in a book for a teacher. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Hmm. Now she turned off all the lights, and I remember feeling like it was really dark. But you know, there's still like a huge window. It's <laughs> a uh, you know, it's a it's a schoolroom, right? She walked out, and she was holding a black balloon, and she held it out in front of all of us and started telling us about all a singular point a singularity holding all of the matter in the universe and it exists outside of time and space it exists before existing exists and then she took out a needle and popped the balloon in front of all of us and i remember it being just this moment of explosion and noise but it was just probably a little pop and suddenly all of these sequined stars flew out of it all over the carpet that we were all Mm -hmm. sitting on in the dark and it was just you know it was just full of this shiny confetti and that was how she taught us about the big bang and it's kind of one of my one of my favorite moments. That's of, a core memory, right there. Yeah. Whoa. That's what school's mm-hmm. got to be. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it also leaves an impression that much longer. But mm-hmm. huh? I wish I got that explanation. I got the How, genesis. What did talk. What did they teach? Did they teach the? Teach um, you? 
No, not really. We got both. They were a science Catholic school. It wasn't too much. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, well, it's it's Catholics. like yeah, it's not a great combo though. Techno because Catholics. Techno yes, cyberpunk Catholics. <laughs> Cyber techno Catholics. Mo- oh techno gosh. monks. That's where they oh, come from. Oh, techno monks. There it is. Yeah. No, it was like I don't really remember it too much to be honest. But like, you know, it's it's weird when you're learning about like how things come to be i guess actually no it probably was the whole god created the world in seven days and then he took one or no six days and took one day to rest because he had to rest mm. but again like i think that's how it was honestly if i remember mm-hmm. correctly that would be the earliest one and then i've since replaced that with a big bang the big bang theory mm. uh but no i uh um, oh, i love that show <laughs> the best qu- oh my god <laughs> the normie show but no <laughs> No, but like the most was, successful show in the history of television. We'll Joe. never understand why. It, I will never understand that. Um, <laughs> but like it, it was always kind of weird in elementary school because like you know we'd have to learn like a lot of biblical stuff in tandem to things. But rather than like a Protestant or a fundamentalist version of this, it's kind of just like backstory to many cases because like you know we're still mm. learning about other cultures or other scientific facts and. They didn't throw in that, like, God did that. They kind of throw in that people who are creating these things are working through God, right? Or mm. God works through us, which there's an argument to be made there about divinity right. or anything like that, right? Where if an idea pops into your mind, that's God, um, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of fascinating. It's a bit questionable certain times, but it's much better yeah. than the atheist alternative. However, like, I, I, I think, like, I do remember sitting in a kindergarten Maybe class. aliens do it. <sighs> maybe i hope not but maybe maybe mm-hmm. uh who knows but i guess if you're like prometheus maybe right and then we're actually created by isn't that the plot of that movie right where we're created by we're like a created different race. by black goo mm, makes sense that's why mm. i have a uh, black goo in my blood when I uh, get my blood <laughs> you drawn, get that at. <laughs> you should probably get that. Checked you out. should. You should really stop eating your all raw liver diet. Yeah, that's, probably, that's really what's you, doing you, it. You're probably seeing blood. Yeah, it's because I keep eating organs every single day. Yeah, you uh, you really <laughs> should stop having an all blood diet. Yeah, it's a good thing I try to be vegetarian. I'm gonna have to do a drastic switch. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I think I think it's interesting how these have to be explained to children um, specifically, like when you have to simplify a, a massive concept like the Big Bang down to the way that your teacher did it, which I think is brilliant, to be honest, mm-hmm. just the de- the 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 theatrics of it. So fun. I like it a lot. Right. But this this is what a lot of secular society is kind of missing. It mm-hmm. wants to. I think there are people that are that legitimately make science and everything exciting, but I think all of us also kind of wish there was a little more pageantry to everything. That being me, yes. Yeah. I hated science class in school, I'm going to be very honest. I was just having mm. a conversation about that with my mom because I did not... I, I, was, I retained all the knowledge of social studies, you know, all the Bible knowledge so I could, you know, be able to pull out random, like, facts or and or historical... Um, yeah, you know juxtapositions of different things happening, but I hated science class because it's just boring. I couldn't do it. Right. I wasn't interested. Well, also, I mean, the thing with science is it ha- by by its very nature, it has to change over time right, as right. it is refined. There isn't um, the constants and through line that religion offers, and it's why it can sometimes 
be a little competitive because people that are fundamentalists can always point to how well china well the all these fancy scientists and their lab coats keep changing their story they used to call it uh, global warming now they call it climate change and you know like, we just changed the term it's the same thing yeah 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 well, uh, it, it's basically Mac's argument from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia about science yes. is a liar sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's all of us looking at these people that made great strides in human thought, but also were wrong about a lot of things. Like, yeah, the Greek philosophers didn't really know th stuff that would be comparable to modern anatomy. Yeah, Charles Darwin married his cousin <laughs> and had children uh, with her. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, yes, John Audubon had some white supremacist ideas, but God, the, Joe, the man could draw birds. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on there, but you have a point. Could draw really well birds, really good birds. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think. But, it's but yeah, there, there's there's nothing. It's hard to make them like saints because they weren't. Well, right. It would people. be. It would be. Even though I think these are important people who warts and all their stories should be told and studied because they were legitimately interesting people with interesting lives and interesting ways that they had to overcome doctrine and uh, societal societal norms to make strides in the name of science. But wouldn't you also be concerned if you walked into a place and there were stained glass images mm -hmm. of <laughs> yeah. of old-timey scientists with their calipers for measuring the skulls of uh yeah. of indigenous people wouldn't be great you know? that would be terrifying <laughs> like actually horrifying <laughs> uh. yeah and that's 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 why it is kind of safer to have saints that are like hey these are people that their lives are intertwined with myth it's right about... or they are just a myth to be honest in many mm. cases yeah uh, it's it, it's a way of getting to it, it 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 does not have to it does not have to be held to the standards of science because they should be doing something different mm. in society and this is right. the other thing that we have to realize is at least in the 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 majority christian uh western culture the the stress to take the bible literally um is kind of a recent development that basically was made as as society was becoming more secular in Pre-industrial times, really, there was no secular world. There, 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 it did not really exist in that context in Europe, the Near East. Uh, all, all of these places did not have um, that type of thing. You, you could not choose to abandon your faith because your faith was your entire way of looking at the world. And 
a lot of scientists were coming out of the clergy. A lot of early yeah. geologists were priests, uh, clergymen, people that had leisure time. Uh, right, were right. De de devoutly religious, but rather than taking the Bible at it, you know, want wanting to look at the Bible as maybe a metaphor, maybe a a work of poetry of the condition of living they saw a you know like you were saying inspiration and nature and understanding how the the mechanizations of the world as a kind of spiritual fulfillment well yeah i mean it, it's it, exactly right like it's also a cultural thing like yeah. you know that 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 faith and religion are not they're, they're built into your society and so like yeah. even in italy like today in contemporary times is very much catholicism's built into the culture none of them are probably following the catholic rules like at all i'm pretty sure they sin every day just like all human beings do right according to, there is up. no well exactly but like that's the thing it's not <laughs> but it's not held to the same puritanical standpoint which we will talk about i think this difference much more when we get to our multiple tours revolving around the protestant reformation and the difference between protestants and catholics which we'll uh get to at some point but you know in this case here it's 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 very interesting looking at it that way because you do see that fundamental shift right where mm -hmm. when anybody can translate something from a book that they can now read anything can kind of happen, which is terrifying in a way. Right. And this is just, this is based in my own opinion. So uh, this is not fact, but at the same time, it is a bit concerning. I think when you see nowadays too, where we look at this text that is so conscrewed as reality, but it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be right mm -hmm. and even in the past it wasn't necessarily looked at it that way it was there were bigger pictures than that and mm -hmm. the idea of god can be pretty conceptually based and complex and that's okay right it doesn't have to be simplified into like this false a false logic for lack of a better word and i'm not necessarily coming at this at a religious perspective nor do i really mm -hmm. have one but i do think even you know, I, I guess like if, I'm, if I'm looking at this through that lens, right, where, okay, yeah. science changes all the time, and if you're not necessarily someone who has been able to go to college or be educated or even, like, have the ability with good teachers to explain this, this could very easily be – you could fall into that trap pretty quickly, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. And that – Yeah. Be disillusioned by the – the, the the progress or perceived progress of society and feel like right. I want something constant. It's right. Kind, it's, it's kind of sort of the logic of people that have orthodox religions. You know, whether it's the Amish or uh, or Hasids or or anybody, they're they chose a date in history and said this is Good when. <laughs> We became, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this, this is when we went too far and, right. uh. it, and it, you know, you, it has a different story in America as well that yes, we will talk about in the coming weeks, but in, in, in the sense where this stuff conflicts with science, the most is maybe, um, creation stories. So yes. 
what what would kind of be nice is if we could take this out of you know strictly talking about the the Christian story of creation, which I can we assume our our museum audience is familiar with it. I well <laughs> with if Genesis. you if you were there for when you saw us talking about Black Easter, that's pretty much all you got to really know. I mean, I mean that's that not was, even a creation. Wait, but that, that, was creation. that was that was the New mm. Testament. <laughs> Dan, it's all the same. No, it's not, it's not. no, I think we've also I think we've also done a tour revolving around talking about Adam and Eve leaving the Garden of Eden and that having to do with the agricultural revolution. So yes, we've we've talked about that before. So I think I think people you, would be understanding. I think people would know. Yeah, and if this. not, feel free to go back and listen to that one. Right. Um. But yeah, it, it, the short version being that we can look at Genesis as possibly potentially a story of recounting humans gaining our consciousness that we will live with the knowledge that we will die one day and suddenly we are removed from nature. We have to work every day to produce, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, crops and work animals and suddenly our gods and our religion are no longer tied to uh, animals that live in in the wild, and our gods or god starts to become more anthropomorphic, anthropocentric, and and patriarchal because of men needing to do a lot of the labor required for agriculture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that that is a framework with at which to 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 approach i think genesis as what what does this tell us about humanity it tells us that for thousands of years we've been (laughs) trying to figure out what it what it means to be this 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 creature that feels separated from nature separated from god Mm. yeah and and you know but we have knowledge and we have power that is that is terrifying in in another sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, uh, and then again, this gets reinterpreted a, a million different ways, and you know, changes depending on what translation you're reading. But right, that that gist of it is fairly well preserved, and and you can you can look at that story and start to understand it. And mm-hmm. and then in the Middle Ages, you know, some rabbis make up Lilith as kind of a, <laughs> a little twist. as as little twist. as maybe a maybe a little bit of a joke that went too far. Right. Um, the DLC of the Bible. <laughs> yes, exactly. They finally <laughs> it, a couple thousand years later, they decided to drop that one. I right. guess it would be. It's kind of like, you know, a zoo tycoon update at this point, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But as that is kind of maybe the most uh ubiquitously known at least in our American culture uh like what uh like what what are maybe some other cultures that we can look at as potentially deriving meaning from their creation stories yeah i mean i have one in particular that i think could be interesting since we're coming out of talking about um 
you know the christian the christian origin I story s- yes and okay, this one being okay. Much game different. i see you putting on your helmet with horns on it your historically inaccurate viking helmet yeah now i'm gonna put on the historically accurate one i always have to do that as the uh, bit okay. to set it up yes. because i always that's my little fun fact is that they did not have you know vikings did not have horns on their yes. helmets if you didn't know that already now you know yeah. uh but no this would even be like pre-viking technically if we're going Ooh. way way back but i wanted to talk very since since again i have found myself in this trap of norse mythology you know being a percy jackson kid and loving greek mythology and then somehow ending up in vikings territory never gonna understand that but uh <laughs> i still am there's always a pipeline. Fasc- there's a pipeline there somewhere there is there has to be but i am also very fascinated with with different mythological stories and i wanted to just briefly talk about um the norse mythology um creation myth if you will about how mm. the world and the realms came to be because it's rather fascinating and you know even now you can see the room becoming dark and one side of the lights you see here going red and the other being a ice blue and this mm-hmm. that we're in the middle here is the void known as Gnungagap, which is a very hard word to spell and pronounce. Mm. Uh, so I apologize if I'm not doing it exactly the way it needs to be. But essentially, that is the void to which everything comes into creation. And to the right, where we have fire being represented by the red light, is the realm of Muspelheim. And where the blue light is, is the ice realm of Niflheim, which mm. came together slowly over time and met in Ganungagap and interacted with each other. And so the ice from Niflheim started to melt because of the fire of Muspelheim. And it created the first giant who's known as Ymir, um, which they also use that in Attack on Titan. So I think that's kind of fun. But anyway, so Ymir (laughs) becomes the first massive giant of the world at which doesn't technically even, it's not even a world. We're just in a void. We're nothing at this point. Mm. But Ymir can produce asexually and creates two more giants to which are going to be known as the first Jotuns or giants, as I'm referring to them. Um, and this starts a whole sequence of events that begin to happen. I'm going to briefly go through this because there's a lot here, but in our Spark Notes version of Norse mythology and the origins mm-hmm. of their story, uh, there's a cow that shows up um okay. called Al Aldumbla, if I'm not mistaken, whose milk would then nourish the giants and the cow would then be nourished by the ice. So there's a cycle happening here. And then okay, the cow so, so far they're pretty accurate. Right, exactly. And then the cow is also finds the first Aesir god, Bori, whose son Bor would marry the daughter of a giant and would have the gods Odin, Vili, and Ve. Odin, if you're not familiar, being the like all-father one that comes in much later. Uh, and then later, Odin and his brothers were concerned with how fast the giants were starting to reproduce uh, because they were outnumbering the Aesir gods. They are different, by the way, very different creatures in this case. And so they decided they were going to kill Ymir, again, the first giant, technically the creator in this case, or the thing that was created first. And they did so while uh, the giants slept. And so the blood of Ymir formed rivers which drowned most of the giants, besides a few who then escaped to Jotunheim, and that's that side of the story. But then essentially what then happens with the corpse of Ymir is that it's said that the formation of our world, or the world, was created by the remains of of Ymir's body. So the flesh, bones, hair, and blood form the vegetation, clouds, mountains, and all the biomes of our world, and also the world, again, because there's realms involved here. Uh, His skull 
was thought to be what formed the sky. And then later on, the Aesir gods in Asgard formed the first man and woman from ash trees, which is interesting, and sent hmm. humans to live on Midgard, um, which I also think is pretty fascinating, again, creating like uh, man and women, woman in that way, very weird mm-hmm. parallels to uh, Adam and Eve. But anyway, then there's dwarves that show up and then they are said to be formed from Ymir's rotting body. That's a whole other thing, though, that not, we're not going to really touch on. But essentially, in summarizing this very, very quick version and telling of this story, the main mm-hmm. theme out of this is that life comes from death and that rather than gods or the gods creating the world or a god creating the world these gods the Aesir gods Mm -hmm. needed to first kill Ymir who could reproduce and live without death and destruction and so to the Mm -hmm. gods this is considered to be a chaotic nothingness the idea that something could exist in nothing that there wasn't anything coming out of it and that you know, in this case, then the world is not created from nothing, but rather it is from something. It is from materials. And this is mm-hmm. a direct counter and difference than our, you know, the creation of stories, even, even in the Christian faith, being of God creating, you know, heaven and earth and, you know, all the things having to come from him in that case. But in this one, it has mm-hmm. to come from death or it has to come from something else. Mm. So even upon reading that and doing some research into it, I think it's very interesting comparing it to a, you know, big bang effect and what would happen in that case too, because it's not, it's something coming out of something. If you think about it, right. You know? And it, this would be looked at that way. I don't know how legitimate or how literally they took this to that degree, mm-hmm. but I think at the same time, there's a truth there, right, about materiality, about mm-hmm. where things in our world come from, and that we have to take certain materials to build other things. And I think in a society and an area in the world where it's pretty harsh conditions and difficult to live, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, you know, that your world would have to yeah. come from something, that your your food might be scarce, or your your uh to build a village out of whatever you had might be rather difficult. So Mm -hmm. it does require you to have materials to then create these things, just like that, you know, I guess Odin had to kill Ymir with his brothers to create the world. So, you know, I I could see the parallels being Mm. made here in an everyday life situation and one being able to bring this up. Yeah, I mean, but it's also, you could totally read the themes into other stories we've heard there of- 100%, 100%. pre-existing world and you 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 look at those types of stories and you try to imagine how you're how you could reverse engineer it into something that you want to rationalize yeah that you want to say like well what what did they mean by the the world is formed from a decaying giant and i think you've you know provided a potential way of looking at that as yeah, as as people that that watch how life and death have that relationship, yeah, uh, that 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 is somewhat observable even now. Oh you yeah, hundred percent. You you can see why this makes sense to their cosmology. In the same yes. way, we could see how Genesis makes sense to a cosmology of of the of the Near East and uh, and Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And also probably, you know, there are, you know, potentially 
Indo-European ancestral groups that have mildly related mythologies that these are all stemming right. from. Well, even that those people would there, you know, would be moving into Scandinavian areas as well, like yeah, way, way early on. So, you know, I imagine bringing their traditions with them and intermingling. That's where that theory uh, that I heard as well about the Aesir and Vanyar gods, the mm -hmm. you know, these competing forces fighting over who was going to control what, mm. coming from the idea of you know Indo-European peoples moving into Scandinavia and battling it out with like the Sami and other indigenous peoples of that area. So again, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I mean, it all starts to make a little bit of sense when you start to think about the historical threads that come out of these things, right? And also, yeah. I think being mindful that language of the past doesn't always translate one-to-one, -one, and mm -hmm. there's cultural nuances there that we do not understand. Or at least, if you're not a scholar, you might not understand, right? That it, mm -hmm. it can be very difficult to break down, especially with, like, Greek myths wanting to, or people wanting Greek myths to be treated as reality or aliens or anything else yeah. when in fact they're most likely not real and they're stories just like one would have a comic book story to describe something political or something else happening in our world today that we can make a one-to-one -to, -one to just like I mean I don't know how much substance is there but you can watch <laughs> a Marvel movie and be like hey you know war is bad so there's but there isn't a literal Spider-Man you know who's going to go save the day and there isn't Aqu well, Aquaman's DC but you know what I mean like there isn't these like actual figures to do that but rather they're characters in a story just like mythology yeah. would be it's just much more mm -hmm. older Yeah exactly I one of one of the stories that gets thrown around quite a bit because it is interestingly super widespread and seems to have been created independently in a lot of different cases is the idea that the world is built on the back of a giant turtle ah yes mm. and uh the this is a something that we have even you know that that's observable in asian uh in asian cultures we see this uh in uh vishnu's second avatar is a mm. uh giant turtle uh karuna uh or sorry karuya or i'm i'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly and this would proliferate outward from there, but also was a cosmological explanation in China as mm -hmm. well. But super widespread in the North American continent, too. Yes. A lot of yeah. indigenous peoples of what is now the United States and Canada are... Uh, Th their their cosmology is also this association of a giant turtle now mm -hmm. there's a couple of explanations uh for this there's a one uh one scientist uh anthropologist jay miller uh proposes that all of these cultures had a familiarity with turtles and tortoises and understood even back then, that they were incredibly long-lived. They seemed like these eternal creatures. They, you know, are reptiles that hibernate. They can sort of seem to be these, these, these burrowing little 
animals that walk around with this hard surface on their back. They live for such a long time. It you can sort of start to see the 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 leap in storytelling right. that what if there was a giant one like mm. that has been around for eons? Yeah. And 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 then you can sort of start to see that the the Iroquois uh have uh, pretty famously this this concept uh yeah. and you know the what what is now the United States is sometimes referred to as Turtle Island that hmm. this this continent is one giant turtle interesting yeah yeah i was just going to say too i mean it's it's really fascinating that the the similarities in terms mm-hmm. of where that shows up as well and i i know like one instance of that happening before i even knew that it was a creation story mm-hmm. in, in um, indigenous cultures was when um, when I was studying in Italy for the first time uh, mm-hmm. and I was in an illustration class, we had a project where you had to, um, I, I forget the exact prompt, but it was something about dealing with the city itself and dealing with that, like living in a new place. And I was mm-hmm. working on it. We had to do a collage. So I was working on a collage where I had the city itself built on the back of a turtle. And it was in movement and, you know, inspiration from Avatar and other myths. But, you know, a friend of mine who is my roommate and he's Muscogee Creek was telling me, you know, the, that his story that he knew about the world being on the turtle's back and what was in his culture and how that mm-hmm. um, was told to him. And I was really interested in that as well as the mm-hmm. idea, but also this idea that, like, I came to that in a way I wouldn't thought have, you know what I mean? Mm. Like in this thing of like the, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that collective unconscious idea that starts to happen where that's so interesting, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of abandoned. I I can't find my words today and how to describe it, but it was a very uncanny feeling where Mm -hmm. there it's like, I knew what he was talking about. Like I knew what he meant in that way. Mm -hmm. But I think what I was really Mm -hmm. surprised of it was like, and he was as well where it was like, Oh wow, that's really wild that you decided to use this as the metaphor and go for that, yeah. and not knowing anything about it because I didn't know anything about it in that mm-hmm. in that perspective specifically, just from you know being interested in the lion turtles from Avatar because they did it. <laughs> that they're really cool, and it is. It's yeah. a very fascinating concept. But I think I I, I, I don't know. Is it it feels like a a story that kind of makes sense? Like I could very yeah. much see that even today. I'd be like, yeah, it has to be on a turtle. Totally makes sense. But like oh, it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It, 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 easy easy leap. <laughs> well then there there's there but also with a lot of these stories there is this before time there is yeah. the mythic heroic past and the idea of the earth being ready for humanity uh the kind of this this uh this term is slightly dated for a variety of reasons uh it goes back to a publication by uh francis giller in 1896 but you know the aboriginal australians have uh mm-hmm. were what was sort of attributed as their mythic past is the dream time so the dream time or the dreaming was based on giller's research with the randa people in australia mm-hmm. they had this concept alcharinga and it was maybe a little bit more uh, associated rather than this idea of dreaming and dream time. It had sort of a more fluid meaning. It could maybe mean eternal, uncreated, 
sometimes called every when. Hmm. That it's this period of before everything you know and associate with. This, uh, you know, spirits, ancestral figures. And this sort of continues into uh, the culture going forward. Many communities believe as they walk the earth, uh, you know, that is that is their their connection to the land is is that physical connection. When a woman is pregnant, it is believed when she first feels a kick, that is when uh, the spirit has entered the child growing inside her, that it has gone up through her feet. This is also why, uh, interestingly, twins, the second twin is act- that, that comes out is considered the oldest as sort of this idea is it was further away from the ground and has gone up first. Say it's it's an interesting kind of cosmology, but it also again shows this this deep deep connection to the land that they walk. Now, um, where uh, where I'm from originally uh, in Florida, there's the Seminole, mm. and their story is a little different. It, it's not um, you know in general we we can't label all native americans as having one unifying right, thing because they were all different cultures and different peoples mm-hmm. i thought this was kind of an interesting uh different story of creation that i wasn't as familiar with but it was interesting to uh to read about they believe that after the grandfather of all things the creator made the earth he made all of its creatures the ones that he touched longer while he was creating them would get their special powers healing qualities all of this while he's petting his favorite one the panther uh which was called kuwachobi now he creates all of them and seals them away in a shell and puts them on the crest of a mountain until it was time for them to emerge the world is not ready for them yet Time passes by and tree roots begin to break open the shell and still the animals inside do not emerge yet. So the winds come down and remind the animals that, particularly the panther, that the time is coming and also reminding the panther that it's the favorite of the creator and eventually the panther does uh, become the first to leave. The Lakota uh, in the, on the plains have a, a sort of different story, but also a theme of emergence. They believed, and there, there actually is a cave I've visited out west that is supposedly, it's called the Wind Cave. And oh. it's sort of like it, it does sort of feel like the earth is breathing around it as the wind goes in and out of this space. But it is believed that their ancestors lived down below there while waiting for the world to be finished. And mm-hmm. the people that came out first, that came out a little too early, became the bison. And then the people that came out later were their ancestors. So they it is you know literally uh uh a a a familiar familial relationship with the bison uh that they relied on for for food and for 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 their entire livelihood 
Right. Yeah, so huh. these these stories vary so much and I think that's that's important, but I'm, you know, it is also just fascinating the 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 ideas and the intuitions that stay within all of these different cultures. Yeah, I I agree absolutely and it's really interesting hearing the stories about these two. I think it's mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I definitely think yeah. there is something there in terms of how they all they connect in that similar fashion, but at the same time are very separate and different to their own, yeah, you know, cultural yeah. identities in that way. Totally. Now, as far as like a scientific explanation for the formation of the world, you know, we can mm-hmm. fast forward a bit from like that point in the Big Bang, right? Right. And, you know, the things start after things uh, blow up, we have stars forming those stars go supernova create different elements heavier elements things keep exploding and then accreting again we get an accretionary disk around our own sun which eventually forms our planets now our planet is particularly special because we have plate tectonics and that is really the engine that is driving all of this stuff on earth driving our geological processes it really is crucial to how everything works that our continents keep moving uh on these plates now joe what do you think the difference is between the oceans and the continents Ooh, well one is made out of liquid one is solid made out of rock (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) Well, so <laughs> that's my you asked for yes, bare basics. Yes. I, therefore. Yes. Now, one one thing to to understand is that oceanic crust is actually structurally different from continental crust. Continental crust mm. is actually technically lighter. So, the reason mm. that oceanic crust stays under the water is because it is denser. So they are actually forming uh, from different different materials. I did now, know that. Huh. Yeah, the, the thing to understand about continents is they are kind of these these buildups uh, on the crust that right. have accumulated over time. They've been split apart and broken up, but this is why you get this this oceanic crust uh, forming. Uh, at these mid-ocean ridges, at different junctions. And then, really, continental crust is more of being formed as these these chunks of less dense, lighter material collide with each other and accumulate. So Mm. we get things like mountain ranges when these things crash into each other, as opposed to, really, a lot of the, the mountains under the ocean are really due strictly to volcanic activity, you can look at something like the Adirondack Mountains in the uh, northeastern United States and uh, southern Canada. Those mountains actually share an orogeny with the Atlas Mountains in Africa. Those were oh. that's how old those mountains are. They were formed when those uh, two original pieces collided and then were split apart again by the forming Atlantic Ocean. Oh. Yeah, huh. some of these these mountain ranges really are more like um, 
reminders of different periods of continental uh, collision. Now, uh-huh. we all know about Pangea, which existed right. about 30, uh, uh, sorry, 325 to 175 million years ago. However, there are, while this is highly debated, there are possibly four other supercontinents that predated it that then broke up. Wow. There was the first Kennerland 2.7 to 2.5 billion years ago. Another one called Nuna or Columbia 1.6 to 1.4 billion years ago. Then there's Rodinia. Ah. Mm. Yes. I heard there's that one. Rodinia. Yes, we've talked about Rodinia before, 950 to 800 million years ago. And then Panotia, 620 mm. to 580 million years ago. So this kind of keeps happening over and over again. They collide together and they break apart. Now, um, the other thing that's going on is we have life on planet Earth uh, that mm, is responding to these changes that we've we've discovered over time. But obviously, the question still remains, and this is the thing that puts everyone at odd with creationists, at least in the United States, but, you know, in plenty of other places as well, that want a super strict, fundamental, religious intent to the creation of life. Uh, the, the, The creation of life itself, we can't entirely be certain of how it began. There's the idea of the Luca, which have we have we talked about Luca before? Like the Disney movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, we, we have not. We have not. Yeah. So Luca is an acronym. It is last oh. universal common ancestor. Hmm. So this is that. Yeah, this is really the the full implications of evolution at play here that the idea that there was one organism on earth that then evolved into all other organisms on earth every other right. living thing and it's quite a big jump darwin doesn't even entirely fully propose it in origin of the species until the very end he begins to make the argument that you know if you go back far enough a lot of these uh, creatures seem to be related so you could make the argument that maybe many many species come from a handful of species maybe only one species mm. it's it's a enormous enormous leap forward in in science and really is is still kind of a stunning thing to even think about now the idea that everything could come from one organism all the diversity that we have today it's really astonishing but you still have to ask how did it do it how did uh inanimate material become animate yeah and there's always going to be some sort of debate about this until it can be measurably proven but that's also difficult are you familiar with the miller urey experiment i am not actually Mm, okay, well, follow me over here. Oh, okay. Now, this may look like something in kind of a mad scientist movie lab type thing. Mm-hmm. You have all of these connecting bulbs of glass that got tubes running between them, boiling water, 
Uh, it's also uh, stand back a little bit. It's going to get. Oh, okay. Yep, there it is. Oh. Okay, it got zapped by lightning. This is the famous Miller-Urey experiment, where inside these glass containers, they've put water and their assumptions of what the early Earth's atmosphere was like. Now, with the introduction of heat and occasional electricity, they were able to take those compounds that were present, or at, le or at least assumed to be present in early Earth's atmosphere, and from this process, the water started to change color. Whoa. And what they found was that in that water were suddenly very simple, but, uh, but you know, things that weren't there before, amino acids. Whoa. Things, yes. Things huh. that, uh, you know, could become simple sugars. So possibly this is how the building blocks of life got started. This, mm. is, this is sort of our idea of the primordial soup. However, there is also um, pushback for a couple of different uh, reasons against this. You know, Miller, Miller and Yuri, there's been some revision as to what exactly Earth's early atmosphere composition was like. Right. Um, there's also obviously a, a growing understanding that uh, life might have begun at mid-ocean ridges, at these volcanoes underwater, has mm. also been proposed. And then there was something else that was discovered, and this only happened recently, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it, but this is fascinating. That they redid the Miller-Urey experiment, but they used different materials. They used... Uh, what, what they were worried about was, oh, we need to update the types of glass that they were using because the, the glass that they would have been using the borosilicates that could potentially be reacting with the water and the electricity and the heat so they did it with um different types of uh material for the tubes and the containers and what they found was they were not getting the same results hmm. as the miller urey experiment so it turns out Miller and Yuri had accidentally introduced the secret ingredient without knowing it. They oh. had introduced silicates to the equation through their through the very material, the very containers that they were trying to make uh, the building blocks of life out of. And hmm. this uh, this is kind of amazing because it doesn't necessarily disprove them. It just means that you also need silicates present in the equation. Right. And it's, it's kind of amazing that they kind of just stumbled into this. They didn't even know they had introduced that secret ingredient. That's really interesting. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it, it all just kind of goes to show you, like, we're all learning about the world, and there are going to be different yeah. ways that we can... The 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 exp the explanations as to how life got here, how we all got here. There's a lot of different reasons to ask that question. Yeah, and so there are going to be different answers. And you know, while the the scientific 
one is very important for us to maintain in the face of uh, anti-intellectualism yeah. and yes, <laughs> and theocracy. Times. Yeah, yeah. In these in these uncertain times, times, we can be fairly certain of evolution. Yes. Um, while those things are important to maintain for the scientific community uh we we can look at what exactly are these other traditional stories trying to tell us because all of mm. these are interestingly human and intuitive for different reasons even yeah. for the miller yuri experiment for its flaws is incredibly enlightening to <laughs> enlightening <laughs> um to uh. our search and our drive for answers yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's important to keep both in mind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and it like because I think that in a way that is that the key to where there is a human element and an intuitive element and there's this other thing there, right? And like mm -hmm. you know, one of my I I guess even like hearing all of this and thinking about it even more, like wondering in the next thousand years what do we find out? And what changes? Mm -hmm. And do we learn anything new and more from the basis that's already been started, of course? Or maybe it is totally different. I have no idea. But I think that that's also fascinating of this idea that, like, we keep finding more to the story and it never kind of ends. Like, it's always mm -hmm. like we're trying to figure out where we came from in order to understand. And I think it's important. But I also think it's important to understand where we're at now, right? And mm -hmm. being like, I guess, I guess being aware of the world that we do live on, you know, yeah. where and where it all comes from. But then at the same time, how we treat it now, what we do with mm -hmm. it now, what we do now living here. Um, and, and I think it's important to look at all of those different ways humanity has grappled and thought about, you know, mm -hmm. where we come from. And in a yeah. way it, makes a lot of sense even now when we do the same thing and i think mm -hmm. that that it's very it's very human i guess at the yeah. end of the day and i kind of and i think that's the best part about it Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yes as human yeah. as growing a mullet <laughs> impulsive decisions truly yeah um <laughs> i just blame that dang fish getting out of the water man god yeah tick to yeah. lick <laughs> Oh man! Wow, mm -hmm. this has been this has been great. I think we I literally think... covered everything. We did. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all you really got to know. We could definitely get more philosophical and and uh, existential with it. Absolutely. Oh yeah, but yeah. I think like what? A... What if we zoom out from the Big Bang one day? We have this really great picture of the universe, but it's shaped like a turtle. Oh my gosh! More to the story. See, it's all making sense. <laughs> it's all making sense. Yeah. Well, and this isn't like. I, 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 I know, I think, I think uh, that indigenous people that, uh, that, that want to revive their spirituality are not necessarily advocating for an abandonment of science and want to revisit what these stories have to teach right. people. Um, that being said, there's interesting 
things that show you that people have always had an intuition about yeah. the earth we yeah. didn't really get into uh say the hawaiian creation story but hawaiians had an understanding uh in their own cosmology that the larger island was younger than the smaller islands huh that's interesting yeah I mean, it might have something to do with the active volcano actively yeah, making. Yeah, that, that'll do it. But you know, but but that that shows awareness, that, that intuition is always there and is a part of those considerations. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, wow. What a what a tour. We finally can walk back out into uh, mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fully lit room. Absolutely. Yeah. No more voids. It's enough yeah. voids for the time being. Well, when we're not in a darkly lit room, where can people find you, Joe? What have you got going on? Well, you can find my work specifically on my website, uh, josaminoart.com, if you want to check out any of my projects there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have some more trailers and clips of videos that I do that provide some context. Uh, You can find links to my SoundCloud as well for some music that I'll probably post up there. Hopefully soon. I'm really hope like want to fix my master tracks. It just takes forever. So I'm hoping mm. to post some more audio projects there, and maybe eventually Spotify. We'll see. But I want to get going on some musical stuff. Uh, other mm-hmm. than that, I'm still waiting to hear from some uh, film festivals that I entered. One being that I'm on a semifinalist right now, so I'm in the midst of waiting. We'll see if that changes. <laughs> but for the time being, that's all I got going on. How about you, Zan? What's going on in your life? Um, well, I'm starting an OnlyFans called OnlyZans. Uh, <laughs> I just paint on it. Um, I'm wearing a smock and nothing else. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you can find uh, my art at zanpeters.com. <laughs> and I, wow, I still have work up at Art Center East in Vernon, Connecticut as part of their still life show. I think when you're hearing this, you can still go and see that before that closes at the end of April. Um, And then May 20th, May 20th on the Tufts Medford campus, I will be having my uh, graduate thesis show. Mm. Uh, Our show is called A Year in 10 Days. Or oh. yeah, that's that's what it's called, right? Yeah, forever. In, I think it's called Forever in Ten Days. Sorry, I can't remember the name. It's names one of the days. other, right? One of the other. Does it matter? Maybe. Um, <laughs> and then uh, soon after that, lots of exciting stuff, moving, and uh, yeah, exciting. definitely uh, follow us and stay up to date with everything. Next week, we've got a really exciting series to kick off. Joe has done so much research. <laughs> uh and i can't wait can't wait to talk about it uh, if you'd like to follow the museum after hours we are at uncanny museum on twitter and at uncanny county museum on instagram uh follow us there keep up to date with those dank dank memes give us a mm-hmm. follow on your podcatcher of choice leave us a rating and review if you would be so kind yeah you can find me at xanasaurus on instagram and you can find me at at Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Josemino. Bye. Bye.